Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Conversations on life, style, beauty, and relationships. It's the Velvet's Edge podcast with Kelly Henderson. Nicole Christie is here, a writer, podcaster, and entrepreneur with a passion for storytelling. She is the founder and CEO of Tula Productions. She's also the host of the Here For Me podcast. I love that your bio says you are a storyteller with a hint of hippie. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, um, I, I have Midwestern roots, but I was raised in the Northwest in Seattle. And then now I live in San Diego. So, you know, okay. I've got some West Coast hippie vibes. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense to me then. A storyteller <laughs> with a sense of hippie. Well, it is Mental Health Awareness Month. And so whenever we initially started this conversation, I thought this would be the perfect month to have you on. I love your story because you, to me, are the definition of taking your pain and turning it into purpose, which for mental health and in my experience in life has been such a healing part of anything that's ever, you know, quote unquote, terrible that's ever happened in my life, mm-hmm. using it then to help others or uh, give myself a sense of purpose has been immensely healing. So I hear awesome. so much of that in your story. And then we were also just talking a little bit before, and I want to get into this in a little bit, but you are starting the conversation or having the conversation about narcissistic abuse and kind of your experience with that. And as I said to you before, that is such an important conversation to me. And I feel like it's starting to become you know more prevalent, but it's also narcissist is a buzzword. And so there's a lot of like overuse of it. So I want to dive into kind of the specifics of what your experience was what your recovery was like and what you've learned from that. Um, But before we get started with all of that, let's kind of go back because you were in the corporate world for many years at a company I'm sure you guys have heard of, Microsoft. (laughs) It's kind of a big (laughs) one. So can you talk us through your journey from just learning that you love words and kind of storytelling, getting into the corporate world, and then the moment that it all changed for you when you had some health scares? Yeah. So uh, I've been a writer since I was very little. It was something I knew I wanted to do as a career from like second grade. 
And, you know, you always think you're going to be an author or a screenwriter. And I certainly have dabbled in those. I, um, journalism, went to school and studied journalism and then got out of that um, and sort of found my way early in my career to Microsoft in the communication space. So specifically, I was doing um, employee communications and executive communication. So it's, you know, I, I had a real passion for um, employees feeling like they are valued and employee communications gave me the opportunity to do that. And then executive communications, you're working with senior leaders um, kind of on their platform, if you will, and their thought mm. leadership. So how do they talk to employees? How do they talk to the press? So that was kind of my focus. I ended up, I had two lifetimes at Microsoft. So I left, I went to New York. I was in New York for about five years and worked at a consulting firm for 10 months. And okay. I knew that I'd always wanted to work for myself as a storyteller and writer and communicator. And that was kind of the first impetus to go out and start my own business doing this, which I did for a while. And then I went back to Microsoft knowing I wanted to shift to a different type of storytelling. And I didn't really know what that was going to be, something different in the comm space. Um, so went back to Microsoft in 2017 and about two years in, had the opportunity to host a talk show series for the company called Modern Communications. That ended up leading to my leadership saying, we want to start a podcast about the manager journey at Microsoft and how that's evolving. Um, would you be interested in hosting it? Because we want to talk to leaders at Microsoft and have them tell their personal story about managing people. And I was like, yeah, and really yeah. candid conversations, the kind that I now have on here for me. So that planted the seed for Oh, you know, and also um, studied improv in New York and performed improv. So I was like, everything sort of coming together mm -hmm. in this very authentic way. And, uh, and I knew that I, you know, wanted to do this more with conversations and, and talking with people. And then in uh, 2019, I had the first of two back-to-back -back health crises. So I got a um, virus called hand, foot, and mouth disease, which is oh, yeah. very common in children. Yeah. <laughs> no one knows how I got it. I don't have children. I hadn't been near any children. And I was ridiculously stressed out. My then husband and I were uh, about to move to San Diego together. We'd been long distance for seven and a half years. It was a huge thing. A lot was happening in my job. I was really stressed. And my body, um, what they believe was a stress-induced autoimmune response, just attacked itself mm -hmm. and uh, turned into a secondary condition called erythema multiform. And I lost six layers of skin and all of my toenails over the course of about one or two weeks. Oh and it God. took a full nine months before I looked normal, before I could walk normally because it started to eat into the connective tissue. I was in the hospital for a week on IV nutrients and hydration and meds and all of this. So it took a while to fully heal from that. And then March 2020 is mm -hmm. when I was finally like, oh, I feel like I'm healed. Still took two years for all my toenails to come back normally. But um, and then you know, pandemic. I, I'm living in San Diego. So, you know, we had the lockdown. Um, and uh, and then I found, you know, something in my eye that turned out to be eye cancer. I wasn't able to be diagnosed until July of 2020 because no one was seeing anyone unless you had a life-threatening condition. So um, yeah, this whole, you know, this upheaval that happened in my life made me really look at what am I doing? I felt mm -hmm. like I had, those were two big wake-up calls. And it was sort of this metaphysical, you know, with my eye, it was my left eye. Um, it was like, oh, I think I'm not seeing things clearly. Wow. Um, and I started to sort of look at the circumstances around me. I started to see that I was allowing multiple people in my life um, to really, uh, you know, what I came to know of as narcissistic abuse, but really emotionally and verbally 
abusive circumstances um, that I was putting up with, that I was people pleasing, um, not wanting to hurt people's feelings, having great empathy for people because maybe they were in a difficult circumstance. And so I would make myself smaller, dim my light to make sure that they felt okay or make them feel better when they were hurting me because I'm like, well, hurt people hurt people, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so that was really the the wake up call for me. Um, and it took a, a while. Like I did not heal. I wasn't declared cancer free until June of 2021. So it was really about a 15 month period from finding that to having multiple surgeries and multiple immunotherapy treatments um, until I was declared cancer free. And I knew in that moment, some things have to change in your life. Mm -hmm. And it still took another 15 months beyond that for me to leave my work, um, start my business, start my podcast, which I knew I was in a position to have conversations that hopefully facilitated healing through my own storytelling and the stories of others. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew that you know my marriage uh, was in a serious state of disrepair and was not the right thing for me to be in. Um, but it did. It took a while before I was able to both leave the job, start the business, and get on this healing path um, both in my work and my purpose and contribution to the world and also in my relationships. Yeah. Wow. I mean, first of all, I want to just say to the listeners, I'm looking at you right now and I would have never known any of those situations <laughs> had happened. That is crazy. Yeah. The skin the, I, stuff. Oh yeah. The skin. I mean, I have a little bit of scars here, but no one, when I show it to them, they're right. like, I wouldn't have known. But um, your eyes look great. Yeah, ultimately, I had half of my lower lid removed. So I had conjunctival cancer, um, which is like the skin of your eye. So it's sort okay. of like skin cancer, but because it's the lining of your eye and it's basically, you know, mucus and it's also very close to your brain and oh, your wow, head and yeah. neck lymph nodes. That's what they're worried about. Normally, a yeah. skin cancer, they'd be like, oh, we just dig it out and it's fine. Um, but yeah, I had to be under a lot more surveillance. And ultimately, yeah, they tried to doing uh, a biopsy, scoop out as much as they could, and then treat it with immunotherapy, which was injections right into my eye. It's a big oh, party. Ugh. I invite all people to join. Right. Um, but ultimately, <laughs> yeah, it came back. It was very aggressive, um, which is also rare. And they were super concerned about that. So February 2021, wow. they're like, um, it's back and you get to go have half your eyelid removed. So oh and rebuilt God. and my tear duct removed and then, you know, uh, amazing uh, what is called an oculoplastic surgeon here in San Diego, world renowned. I'm so lucky to have been here and wow, had him yeah. do that. He, he literally saved my life, saved my eyes. So thank you. That's his work yeah. that you're seeing. Wow. Well, <laughs> Nothing to do with me. To him. He's really good <laughs> at his you. job. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, I talk about this a lot on the podcast, but to me, emotions and physical parts of our body are so connected. And God, absolutely. Um, I've recently even had an experience with a friend from high school who's going through so many physical ailments and the doctors can't find it but I observe in her life so much stress and like exactly what you're describing, the giving. And I know yeah. for me, it's, you know, caused breakdowns and like, it's not unfortunately sometimes until the crash happens that I'll pay attention. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about maybe what you've learned as far as like how to stay in touch with your body and in tune with your body even going through life, life is stressful, right? We can't just mm -hmm. always avoid stress. But like, what are some of the things that you do now after this experience to be like, yeah, I will never do this again? Oh, yeah. I mean, the body is a beacon. Um, and some people more than others, certainly. I realized going through this that my body had been a beacon for a long time. So most of my life, I would I had dealt with um, migraines, 
mm-hmm. GI issues, mysterious rashes. Like I would just get hives and nobody could really understand why. When I looked back at those instances, I could tie it to very stressful things. Even when I first met my now ex-husband, um, I broke out on hives a month later and yeah. that went on for like three or four months. I'm only so, laughing because first of all, I'm nodding. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. You same. get it. You get yes. on the same page. But it's also like all of these things will be happening and you're like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stay in that relationship. <laughs> like, exactly. And I, you, know, you just yeah, totally. And and I and I was chalking it up to other things, right? Like we we had we had met in Seattle. Uh, you know what he does for a living. You know he had to move back to uh, where he was going. It was a long story, and so he went back to where to uh, Montreal. And so I was like, oh, there's all this emotional chaos. Like we met and we're in love, and now we have to be long distance. And I was chalking it up to all of right. that. Oh my god! And then you know, GI stuff was happening for like years with him um, that that didn't same. I would go to the doctor like there's nothing wrong with you. So I think paying attention to there's a there's a lot to be said for. Or how is your body manifesting? And I, I read something recently about, you know, the body is manifesting things that we don't allow ourselves to feel. So, oh, you're, you know, wow. your emotions or something, you know, it's not always possible to make logical sense or, or cerebrally process things that are happening in your life. So when your body's talking to you in these mysterious ways, I think it's what I do is I just check out of everything for a second. And some people may meditate or journal. I just need to be quiet. I just need to go to a quiet place and really think about what's happening. You know, even just earlier this week, I was like, why am I having this like, am I having a heart attack? Like, why am I having this pain? And I realized I'm extremely anxious. I'm not even breathing properly right now. I'm breathing really shallow. Um, so just taking time to step away when my body's telling me things weird. And sometimes it truly is a medical issue. I want to be sure. clear about that too. I've certainly had those instances, but when you can't describe something like where in your life are you misaligned? Um, where are you not paying attention to maybe what path you need to be on or how someone is treating you or what your relationship dynamic is. Are you taking care of yourself? Are you eating? Are you sleeping? All of that. So just really stopping and very intentionally looking at your life. And is there any tie between the yeah. two things? I love that you said you just stop. I've found so much power in the pause in the past yes. couple of years. Mm-hmm. It's scary, but it's it's also very empowering, I would say. It's very empowering. And even, uh, you know, we're we're uh, airing the last episode of season two of here for me, my podcast tomorrow. And I'm announcing that we're taking the summer off and we're going to do audience favorites, but I'm freaking out about pausing. I'm freaking out about the, you know, this cultural, like you have to keep moving and, you know, objects in motion, stay in motion. And that, you know, me losing momentum is somehow going to destroy everything. I'm actually, and that was part of what I tuned into earlier this week. I was like, you're afraid to pause. You're afraid to stop. I'm, and part of that is I'm afraid to not feel like I'm doing something purposeful, that I'm just going to take the summer off and it's San Diego, what, screw around at the beach or something, you know? That sounds amazing. So, I, yeah. Like, it is just, you're you're right. I mean, it's, it's you do just have to go, it's okay to stop and, yeah. and tune in and see what's going on up here. Yeah. I think that's been one of the gifts of COVID in some ways for our culture even is just oh, to realize yeah. how hard, how fast, how much we were going. And then when it all stops or has to stop, you're like, what's actually important? And like, how much of that is made up in my head that I have these deadlines and these like, it has mm-hmm. to get done today, you know? Yep. Like the oh things we God. put on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, and COVID, it, I, I was going through my cancer journey and COVID at the same time. 
And so those two things happening simultaneously and my husband, um, uh, you know, what he does for a living, he was furloughed for 16 months. Um, so, and we'd never lived together. We'd been long distance for our entire relationship. So everything happened all at once yeah. and forced that pause and forced me to go, okay, my body's talking to me. Things were happening at work that were crazy. Things were happening at home. So yeah, COVID did give us a, a lot of gifts. I don't know that I would be on the other side of a lot of trauma mm-hmm. without it. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I hate to say that there was, there was a silver lining, but you're right. Yeah, I do think so. Well, let's dive in a little bit to the narcissistic abuse stuff because, you know, we talked a little bit before and it's like more, I think, important to talk about the solution, but it is important also to say what it was like and then kind of how you got where you got. Mm -hmm. Um, So you've mentioned a little bit about the relationship. What I said to you was like, what I want to know is what it felt like for you. Like, what did you notice in yourself? Because I know in the situation that I was in, I can look back now and the person that I was, was unrecognizable to me. Mm -hmm. Did you, do you relate to that? Like, what did it look like for you? I totally relate to that. I mean, it's, and um, I talked about this a little bit on the first episode of season two of the podcast uh, where I talked about, um, and I'm sure you feel the same thing. I actually grieved the loss of myself more than I grieved Mm -hmm. the loss of the relationship because looking at that woman was so hard. And I, and I said, like, I didn't lose myself, but I buried myself in a shallow grave. And then I mm. had to go find her and wake her up and go, uh, here's what happened while you were asleep. And that loss, I'm like, could be emotional just talking about this, was so devastating to mm. see how I had allowed myself to abandon myself. So what it felt like for me was just forgetting who I was and, and you know, that I had needs, that I had goals, that I had dreams, that I had desires. I just can't, became all about supporting this other person who was very good at convincing me that that was the most important thing in our life. And I just, I put everything on the back burner. Um, I questioned my own sanity all the time, which, you know, a therapist will say that's gaslighting, right? So, um, you know, like, oh, I, I don't think that I really thought that or um, no, that you you must be right or every bit of criticism that came at me. Um, narcissists, uh, and I'm, I'm going to preface this, I'm not a mental health professional, but just sharing what I learned in my experience working with a narcissistic abuse recovery therapist. Um, they're good at getting supply and and making you sort of forget that you have needs, that you are you know, a carbon being in the household. So um, I was constantly taking criticism in of like, oh, that's a really good point. I hadn't really thought about that. Or deflection and projection, taking that on. And then literally I went into therapy for things that I now realize were not problems I had. I think that there was, you know, and and this is not just this relationship, but also I've had others, um, not romantic relationships, but others in my life throughout my lifetime. And most people, if you've been with one narcissist in some way, you've probably been with others um, in some fashion. Again, it could be a colleague, could be a friend, could be a family member. Uh, A lot of people come from narcissistic parenting, so that could be it for you. Um, But realizing that, you know, I was taking on stuff that wasn't mine, but because I'm a person who will shine the light on myself, I'm not afraid of the dark corners and I'll unpack things and go, huh, I I think I need to go to therapy and talk about that. Um, That's how that showed up for me a lot. And it's not that some of that criticism wasn't valid, you know, things that I needed to go work out in therapy and unpack. But um, yeah, it was really just questioning myself. It was a lot of brain fog. Um, And there were signs, there were bodily signs. 
something I realized recently was when I would go visit him uh, and, you know, it took 12 hours for us to get to each other door to door. And But I would go there for a month. I worked for myself, had my own business. I'd go there for a month. I'd come back to Seattle for a month. I would cry when the plane would land. And I always thought that it was where he was living and that I hated that place <laughs> and visiting there and being like, oh, when are we going to be able to get out of here? Um, and I look back on that and, and that's certainly part of it. But I think I also knew that I was going to walk into that dynamic for a month. And then, you know, it was so nice for me to go back home to Seattle for a month. And I realized I'd go home and fill my cup and get my energy. And then I'd go there mm-hmm. and I'd be drained. And then I'd go home and I'd fill my cup and then I'd go there sense. and I would be drained. And I blamed all of that on external circumstances. And I'm sure you can relate to this. You think it's, if only this, if only, you know, his job changed the way he wanted to, only we didn't live in this place, if only whatever, Um, when those things change. And then when we got to San Diego and finally were together, he had a job that, or has a job that brought him here. um, I thought that everything would change. And then you realize, oh, (laughs) this is all... You know, I feel so naive thinking that. I don't like to think of myself as someone who's naive, but here we are together 24-7, then a pandemic happens and you realize, oh no, there was a shaky foundation and there were fundamental issues all along. If you know anything about me, you know I am a massive creature of comfort. It is one of my top priorities in life to make my surroundings comfortable at all times. So when I found Cozy Earth, I quickly scooped up all of the luxurious bedding and loungewear that I could. It felt very on brand for me, but then I went on a trip with a girlfriend not too long ago where she could not stop commenting on how cute and comfy my pajamas were, which then made me realize they may also be my new favorite travel companion as well. Guys, I am not kidding when I say you will experience unmatched softness and smoothness with all of Cozy Earth's products. The temperature-regulating bamboo joggers and pullover crew add comfort and a touch of style to any travel ensemble, and their bedding comes in the most adorable totes, making it a super easy gift to give anyone. Discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code VELVETSEDGE at the checkout for an exclusive 35% off, and let them know we sent you when you're at the checkout. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your your perfect home sweet home. Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit bostonproper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper, wear it like no one else. First of all, I'm just like, everything you just said, literally, it's like you're telling my story, you know? it's yeah. And this is the importance, I think, of talking about things like this is so that if anyone's listening and they're hearing some of their story, like you're not alone. You know, there's so much power yeah. in sharing for that purpose of just giving it a name, giving it a voice, anything like that. Um, you mentioned the brain fog. And one of the questions I was going to ask you is because in my recovery from this situation, 
Um, I kept saying over and over, I said this to my therapist, to my family, to my friends. I'm like, I just want my brain back. I just want my yes. brain back. Like I had this intense feeling of not being myself, but mm-hmm. also just, I could not see the road ahead of me. Like yep. I could not, there was a constant fog every day. And even mm-hmm. getting out of bed becomes tough when you're living under that big cloud. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And I, and, um, I think some of that I don't want to say, you know, a lot of narcissistic behavior is not intentional, right? It's just yeah. how someone has learned to walk through the world and get their needs met, get their It's a survival met. skill too. It's a survival, exactly. It's a survival skill. And so it's almost like that's just part of it, right? Because if you are in that fog and you can't see ahead, you're more available for yeah. someone else's needs and supply. And then you feel like you're being useful and there's a purpose to that, or you're helping the relationship along. Um, I can 100% relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the big pieces for me was also just the recovery. Like once you actually, well, let me ask you this. How hard was it for you to leave that relationship? Um. Well, it took a year and a half from the time that I knew there was a last straw that happened in February of 2021. Okay. That I won't go into. Um, and I, that was, it was the night before my last cancer treatment. And I knew in that moment, I cannot stay in this. It's mm-hmm. not psychologically safe um, for me to do so emotionally safe. But I, it was the night before my last cancer treatment. I went the next day and they were like, your cancer is back. Um, great. So, you know, I had to keep my eyes on my recovery for a while. And then, you know, three months later, we had the surgery and they said, we got it all. You're cancer free. And I just needed to, I literally, I had, you know, girlfriends, I had a few girlfriends that had walked this path with me and knew what was happening. Most people did not know what was happening. And they were like, okay, so you're cancer free. You're going to go, you're going to go into your next chapter. And I said, I literally need to stick my head in the sand after the last two years of medical Mm -hmm. issues and pretend that everything is normal because I need to get strong again. And the wonderful therapist I was working with at that time said, that's going to seem counterintuitive to you and everybody else, but you can't walk away from this situation on your hands and knees. You're on your hands and knees from a two-year health journey. So what she worked on with me, and she said from the beginning, and I think most or all narcissistic abuse recovery therapists will do this. It's not my job to tell you to stay or go. It's my job to give you the emotional toolbox to survive, if not thrive within the relationship, if you stay or to leave it. And it took Mm -hmm. time. So I started working with her in April of 2021 as I was having these surgeries. And then we wrapped up our relationship. We'd worked together for every week for 10 months. So January, 2022, I was like, I feel like I have all the tools I need and I just need to let it integrate. Um, so it was building that toolbox, sticking my head in the sand and having a proper summer for the first time in two years. And just also, you know, there was still hope. I was still like, well, maybe this toolbox will help Mm -hmm. me be able to survive it. And we can stay together because we worked so hard for seven and a half years to get to this point. So it was hard for those reasons. Um, and then January, 2022, when I said to her, I need to just take a pause on therapy. She was like, great. Um, It was still not until September. It was another nine months of me letting this integrate. The other thing I did at that point was I felt like I was emotionally strong. I was like, okay, I can fight this fight now. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, with two years of health issues, I was like, I need to 
get my strength physically back. So um, I do like really hardcore, crazy Pilates uh, three or four days a week. And I went to my instructor. It was finally safe to go back from like a COVID perspective and my health perspective. And I went to her and I said, I want you to kick my ass into the best shape I've ever been in in my life because I need to walk into that room when I decide that I'm ready and feel as emotional, as physically strong as I am emotionally strong. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have any timeline on that. I just knew that I would know. Um, so I'm still now I'm, you know, over a year, February, 2021 to like April of 2022. And I'm knowing we're getting close. Yeah. I'm starting mm -hmm. to feel like this is, I got to go. Um, I will say that he, producing here for me was the thing that finally made me realize you can't stay in this writing about being here for yourself and choosing mm -hmm. yourself was I mean, it was so emotional to write the first two episodes where I told this story without talking about what was happening in the relationship so much, not specifically, that I actually processed what had been happening for eight years at that point and also processing what had been happening, you know, between us since we had lived together and I'd been through these health issues. I was like, I, I can't stay in this. It's I, I, I'm actually going to die. <laughs> and I did. Uh, I shared with someone recently. I felt like I got a message that said, you had two wake-up calls, you're not getting a third. You're not understanding wow. what I sent you here to do. So one more wake-up call, you're getting plucked off the planet. Mm -hmm. Like I am, and yeah. And so I knew like you have to, you have to leave this. At that point, um, this was September of last year. Um, I wouldn't say it was easy to leave, but I knew it was right. And I also knew that I had the strength emotionally to not be reeled back in. I think even six months prior, we'd kind of had a sort of coming to Jesus meeting, if you will, March of 2022, where it was like, hey, some stuff isn't working. It was a very calm, rational, but very long, hours long conversation of this isn't working for me. This wasn't working for him. Let's recommit. Um, even in March of 2022, I was still prone to being reeled back in. Yeah. September, I was like, there is nothing. And trust me, um, there were lots of attempts to get me oh, things yeah. I had never seen before. Of, and I was like, I'm not, I'm not staying. This is not mm -hmm. working. I, I have to go. And I do believe that it was the right thing for both of us. Honestly, it wasn't just for me. I, I said, I think there's things you, I think we don't bring out the best in each other. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was a long process. So it was really hard to build the emotional toolbox, feel physically strong and healthy and then have that sort of wake up call moment of producing my podcast that really solidified this message in me. And like, I have to live this, not just because I need congruency with what I'm telling people on my, on my show, but like, this is a real thing that's critical to our being aligned selves on this planet. Yeah. You know what I hear so much right now that I'm just really loving? Um, and this has taken me a minute to get to. So if that's just like a full disclosure statement. But I think that especially when you go through something so painful as this kind of situation is, it's very easy to villainize the other other side. And um, I don't hear any of that. I hear very much like it just wasn't serving you. Mm -hmm. And that has been a really freeing and healing place for me to get to not feel like, oh my God, I can't believe he's doing this to me because right. it is yeah. insane. It's yeah. insane behavior. It's very painful behavior. It There are certain things that sent me into a place that, like I said to you before the podcast, I was completely unrecognizable to myself. Like <laughs> the ways I was reacting, all of the things. 
but it just doesn't serve me anymore to sit here and be like, that person is the problem. Like us together was a problem for sure. Mm -hmm. In Mm -hmm. my life, it was. Um, and and I don't know what his journey is. It's really none of my business, you know, Mm -hmm. but like for me, it's been so helpful to just be like, that's a survival skill. It is not one that I want to be in a relationship with because I don't like the result for me or yourself. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And that villainizing piece of it, you're so right about that. I think a lot of people, they were doing that to me too. And it just, it it, it doesn't serve you to do that. I think it also helps um, to see what is it about myself that attracts these situations. Not that you blame yourself. An analogy I used on the podcast was, it's like if you're fair-skinned and you're prone to sunburn, it's not your fault you're fair-skinned. It's not the sun's fault that it's going right. to burn you. You have to put SPF on and stay out of the sun for certain times of the day or Use always. extra caution. Yeah. Yeah. So just understanding what is it about myself that mm. primed me for that behavior to put up with it. I, I probably felt, and maybe you did as well as you healed, but you, you know, I almost felt more shame myself of allowing it. Like once oh, you realize God, that's and staying and going oh. back, what you talked about, like I tried to leave so many times, more times mm-hmm. than I cared to say out loud. Um, yep. And for more years than I care to stay out loud, you know, say out loud. It's, it's typical just like, though. it's really common. It's very yeah. common. I'm learning that. But the whatever you called them, I don't know if you called them repair attempts or whatever it was, that always mm-hmm. amps up. That's what people don't understand. When you actually get enough guts to be like, I got to go, that's when it gets, that's when like it really gets hard. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The other side of that is that there's a party that's like, no, you're supply for mm-hmm. me and you can't leave. And so, like you said, I love that you really are talking about how strong you had to get because that was sort of where I had to get to. Like mine looked like having to get to the bottom of the barrel, knowing I was going to lose my job, my friends, my like literally everything in my life, my, my life probably like it was as dramatic as that may sound to people. That is reality. It's not dramatic at all. And you realize like your health is at stake, your mental health, your physical health is at stake. When you get the bottom of the barrel is a really great analogy for it, where you're just sitting there going, okay, you know, you don't have anything to lose at that point either. Mm -hmm. It's like you have to, you know, as we say on here for me, you're to choose yourself. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The only, the only place I could go from where I was at that worst day. And I had a a situation too. There was a one day where I just knew no matter Mm -hmm. what attempts were made to, for, to get me to stay, like I had to go. Um, But the only two options were death or to go up. (laughs) So it was like, okay, I got to go because like, I know my life, I actually didn't know that, but I'd had enough experience with recovery and like kind of getting myself back to know that like, life can be better than this. And I know that. And so I'm going to trust that. And I'm just going to keep taking the next right step forward. Yeah. I'm curious too, did you find that, um, you know, your empathy was so out of control for someone else that it, that also led you to stay? All of that. I mean, that Mm -hmm. to that to me has been one of the biggest things I've had to learn to manage. And I, I don't know if that's the right word to use around empathy, but, um, That's in my nature just to be that way, which is also very common for these kind of dynamics between a narcissist and an empath, but Mm -hmm. that is the way I'm wired. And so I give that freely and I'm learning now to not give it so freely because a lot of people can't handle that and they use it against you. And 
it's it's yeah. almost dangerous for me is how I look at it. Like it's, yeah. you know, I have to be very picky and cheesy where I am giving that. But first I have to give it to myself. Yeah, it has <laughs> to start. Don't, or yeah, don't. 100% starts with yourself. There was something, I wish I could give credit to this, but someone posted like an Instagram reel or something. And, and, and I literally was in tears seeing this, but that, you know, something about, I wish someone had warned me that my, and I might be paraphrasing a little bit, but my empathy was going to, create a safe harbor for other people's demons. Oh. And I was like, oh, I have oh. to sit and just cry about that, right? Because that, that sounds like exactly it. what you were doing. I've spent totally. my whole life doing that with friends, family members, colleagues, like feeling sorry for someone else and thinking, um, and I think, you know, I'd been single for the better part of eight years when I met my ex-husband. Like I dated people and had yeah. stupid entanglements and things, but I hadn't had a serious relationship. So I had kind of filled my cup and felt like, I am here to give. And I was just ripe for, you know, that sort of that sort of thing. And I hadn't oh, worked yeah. through how how empathy can can be used against you or, you know, you get involved with people that are gonna take advantage. I didn't I didn't know anything about that. Mm -hmm. Um I think the other piece of it I didn't know about that I really didn't know until I started working with my therapist was the spectrum of narcissism, which you mentioned earlier. It's such a popular term. It's almost, you oh, know, God, like, yeah. it's not people with lots of selfies on social media. No. I mean, it can be, but yeah. the spectrum of, you know, what that would be like the grandiose end of the spectrum, um, you know, very flashy, uh, you know, very, you know, egotistical or whatever. The other end of it is the covert or vulnerable narcissist that, um, you know, comes in with some sort of uh, poor me, woe is me. I've had all these terrible things happen, and and that's where you know you're you're primed for it. If you're an empath, oh no, I'm so sorry. Let me help, and then pretty soon yeah. you've just lost. It sounds like you were in the same kind of situation. Oh, yeah, and I mean you do help them, but it's yeah. like I helped I helped them so much that I lost myself. Yes. And I couldn't help yeah. myself anymore. And that mm -hmm. is where that balance and that dynamic really can get you off. And I want to kind of just point out too, because I don't know if you felt this, you did mention that you had a really good support system of friends. Mm -hmm. I I also do. I have an amazing support system. This, however, was a situation I still felt very isolated in. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't mm -hmm. know that people fully understand this dynamic and how tricky and kind of like use the word covert with narcissists, but I think it can be this like subtle, it's so subtle sometimes. And it's like mm -hmm. just ticking away at a person. And I'm sitting here talking to you thinking, look at all this stuff. Like, you know, your qualifications are very impressive and you as a person are impressive. And I could sit here and be like, how that, you know, what, that doesn't make sense. And I, that's mm -hmm. what I had people say to me all the time. You're really strong. You like, look, you have your shit together. And it's like, this can happen to anyone. Like what? this yes. isn't something that is just because you're weak. I think that was like one of the, that's one of the big points I want to make for anyone listening that might be experiencing that. This isn't something because you're weak. This like could take out anybody. Oh my God. Thank, first of all, thank you for saying that. And I'm honored to be on your show and talking about this. Um, it is, it's actually like the opposite. And then yeah. therapists tell you, um, narcissists don't pick weak people. They pick the best of the bunch because it's the best level of supply. So someone like yourself, you're smart, successful, beautiful. You have your shit together. You're an empathic person. Thank you. Prime. 
right? Just it's like they they pick the best and they also want the best, you know, if they, especially if they're on the grandiose end of the spectrum, they want the best on their arm, right? Oh, it's yeah, a, it's a point of pride. Sure. Look at my, you know, significant other who is, you know, all these things. So mm-hmm. thank you for pointing that out because it's that is actually exactly what it is. But when you are, I certainly went through, it sounds like you did as well. I literally thought I'm a, I am a bad person. I am a weak person. I have no self-esteem. I have no self-worth. And friends, it is isolating because friends are like, this can't, that's not what's going on, you know, or also just the incredible shame that you Mm -hmm. feel when you realize it and and admitting it to your friends, you feel like, well, so I'm not all of those things because somehow I got into the situation. I had friends that um, staged an intervention on me and that didn't go well. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. And, And then, you know, my therapist was like this always backfires. The only time that that's helpful in any sort of abusive situation is when someone's life is in danger, when friends mm. need to intervene and, and get someone out of something. That was never what was going on. It just sounds like it was probably not what was going on for you as well. Um, yeah, that, that, <laughs> that I didn't did, work. I, I will say I did have friends basically cut me off a little bit, not, not in, not in our whole friendship, but like to the point where I kept getting back together with him so much sure. that they yes. were like, that's you. You can do that. I can't support that anymore. And like, yeah. yes. so I was so, the talk about the shame, the shame and the embarrassment. And that's where I started to be like, Oh my God. And I've kind of even leaned in a little bit further into like my attachment and codependency stuff with that, because it's mm-hmm. almost like an addiction. You're just, you're just so like in the withdrawal, it's like, it's <sighs> literally like a drug addiction. Yep. Um, that until you experience it, it sounds fucking crazy, but like <laughs> it, trust me when I say my body went into full withdrawal. It's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do is leave that relationship. It's a reason, uh, I haven't participated in this program, but I've had therapists recommended if I need it is codependence anonymous. There's a oh, reason yeah. there's a 12 step program around it because, um, it's addictive. And I also, uh, I'm sure you've done this work as well. Looking back at your childhood, you know, what are the patterns that you, this, this is how you were shown what love is. And so you tend to pick people who are in the image of your caretakers, wherever your caretakers were. Um, it's not always your, your parents, but um, yeah, if you think that's what love is, you will choose people who reinforce that because our brains like, you know, to mm-hmm. essentially confirmation bias and learning to break that. And also just feeling like you're worthy of something different. Um, is a real, it's a, what you said, it's a real process. Yeah. Yeah. The worthiness. Mm -hmm. Cause I was just thinking, I I think I knew it wasn't love, but I also was, was so one in the place of like, I can fix this. That's, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I had to get Mm -hmm. out of my ego a little bit and be like, no, you can't, you can't change that one. You can't change Um, it. (laughs) Yeah. But then also really accepting and similar to you, I had so many other things happening in my life at the same time that I thought like my self-worth had gotten so just taken such a hit that I really Mm -hmm. could not muster up the confidence to be like, I know I deserve more. I know that like, I'll find Mm -hmm a better relationship for me. It was more of the scarcity mindset of like, I'll always be alone. I'll, you know, I had to really yes. get out of those narratives. And that's a really scary place to be when you have no relationship with yourself. I, exactly. And that and that relationship is eroding that even further, which keeps you more locked in. You're trauma yeah. bonded, right? People talk totally. about being trauma bonded. It's You're essentially brainwashed in this yeah. situation. Um, I also was raised, uh, you know, to believe that life is supposed to be hard. You shouldn't mm-hmm. like your work. 
um, you know, relationships just are what they are, they're you hard, know, put work yeah. into it. Yeah, they're hard. It's, it's, and so um, this is, this is maybe my, uh, <laughs> my Midwestern roots a little bit, not to criticize all, my whole family's Midwestern, but you know, hard knocks, right? Like we, yeah. we, we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. And so to think that you're actually worth something nurturing and, and affirming is kind of not what, what runs in my blood. I'm not saying all Midwestern people are raised that way, but I definitely, I definitely was raised with that belief and that's hard yeah. to break too. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind, so you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At bostonproper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Well, let's, I mean, we talked a little bit about your recovery and what that looks like. What's the main thing that you feel like you learned from being in that relationship? I think the biggest thing I learned is what love does not look like. Hmm. I think that was kind of the point of that whole relationship because I actually had had pretty good relationships before that, actually. And um, maybe ones that were almost so innocent that I was also primed for this. Yeah. And suddenly, you know, you learn this lesson um, in a really big way. Because I, I just, I don't think that I was getting needs met, but I didn't know that I had any. So, um, and it really, really made me um, believe that I was worthy of being treated well. I was telling someone the other day, I didn't have a bullshit meter at all. It mm. wasn't even that it wasn't finely tuned. I didn't have it because people are like, how did you see all these signs and not know? Because I didn't see these signs or I saw them and I chalked them up to something else. So now I have a very finely tuned bullshit meter. Um, I also, you know, if if someone in my life is showing me signs, I immediately, whereas my old reaction would be like, oh, uh, and I would suddenly sort of shrink like, oh, let me, I can fix that. Or it doesn't matter yeah. that you, you're you doing this. It's, it doesn't matter because of all these. Now I go, uh-uh, I don't care how cute you are. <laughs> that's not going to work for me. So um, that's something I was actually not able to do in the past. Um, I don't really deal with passive aggressiveness anymore, which is um, something even I have seen in myself. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, there, there are definitely things of just being able to show up in the world in a way that serves me 
that I never had that I knew I should have and would try to work on in therapy. But until I changed on the inside and actually learned how to choose myself and believe I was worthy, the bullshit meter, you know, calling bullshit, um, not putting up with shitty behavior, people being passive aggressive, like, or not being honest about things. I couldn't even, I did, I, I couldn't even cultivate that skill set. And now it's come naturally to the point where I shock myself when it happens. I think I could never do that. <laughs> so yay. Yes, <laughs> that's in all that's aspects huge. of life. Yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's, that's huge. It's things that, you know, people would be like, why don't you just X? Right. And I would be like, I don't, I, I don't know how to do that. You know? So yeah. 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 Um, you mentioned that if you have faced this or you're feeling like you're facing this in like a romantic capacity, you've probably dealt with it in others. And th- that was me too. It was like also the way the universe works. It's like, okay, I'm going to give you a sign, you know, maybe pay attention. And I'm like, ah, la da 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 da. I'm breaking out in rashes, but whatever. I'm going to stay in this relationship yep. and, you know, things yep. like that. Um, but then also for me, it's like, the universe comes in and they're like, okay, well, you're not getting this here. So we're going to give it to you here and here all at the same time so that we can get your attention and you pay attention. So what other parts did you start to see the same behaviors in yourself, like around your whole life? Uh, Like putting up with narcissistic behavior? Yeah. Um, at, At the time that I was going through this with my ex, I had a colleague. So I was literally getting it from both sides almost 24 hours a day, except when I was asleep. And I didn't recognize that either. I was like, and when I started doing this treatment, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to work and I'm getting it from her. And then I'm at home, which in the pandemic is both things, um, home all the time, but I'm getting it from him. And also lots of friends um, over the years, girlfriends over the years, I started to look back and go, oh, but you know, friendships that I don't have any longer that I thought had fallen apart for others. I was dealing with narcissistic behavior and my therapist, and and I want to point this out for everyone was really good about saying, I'm not diagnosing anyone as a narcissist. I can't do that, but recognizing narcissistic behavior, whether or not the person is actually classified as that is really all that matters. It's Mm -hmm. behavior that you is bringing, not bringing out the best in you. Um, So yeah, I mean, it was, it was mostly like friends and, and colleagues, um, like, oh, I have been primed for this. And I think, you know, my parents are very loving and gentle people, but they didn't really give me any conflict resolution skills. I was very much raised to turn the other cheek, which is not a bad thing to be raised. But because of that, and I'm not pointing the finger at them, um, but I definitely put up with this a lot because I was like, well, that's just what you do. You have sure. grace for people and you, you know, embrace them and you see that hurt people hurt people. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I I definitely from, from childhood on was, I can go all the way back to like elementary school and see where there were, there were kids who were exhibiting these kind of behaviors. And I was kind of a bucket for it. Yeah. Once you start to kind of like unravel or pull the tape back or whatever you mm-hmm. want to say, it's like, wait a second, <laughs> this <laughs> wait goes a back minute. 40 years now. Like, uh-huh. I'm just starting to see this. I love yeah. that your therapist was like, I can't diagnose, you know, whatever. Cause it, obviously she or he hasn't met the people. Yes. And so that's not a fair thing. Um, and I actually have gotten to the place where I'm like, I'm not sure it matters what they are or what their yeah. label is or anything like that. How am I reacting yes. And there is a point in my body that now I identify with, okay, I don't feel safe. And it, to Mm -hmm. me, I'm like, I don't need to know anything else. I don't need to know what your name is, what your whatever. Like, I just have to turn and walk away. And I've done it now multiple times in dating and in work situations. And, 
um, it's new. So it's like, I don't do it perfectly, but like sure. talk about freeing and comforting and showing up for yourself is like, honestly, one of the best feelings I can imagine in this lifetime. Oh my God. I mean, I think you just encapsulated it so perfectly, which is any time that you don't feel good. And I don't mean like, it doesn't feel good to have to do my taxes, right? Like, right. Like, you still things. have to be an adult. And like, yeah. You know, this isn't an excuse life. yeah, for being irresponsible, yeah. but you're with a person or in a place or in a situation and you don't feel, you use the best word for it. You don't feel safe emotionally. You don't feel, it, you feel bad in this presence. You don't have to be, you don't have to do the thing. You don't have to go to the place. You don't have to be with the person. Like you tuning into that in your body mm-hmm. is such a good place to return. And I'm and I'm with you. I still am, you know, two steps forward, one step back. Two steps forward, two steps back. Mm-hmm. Sit down and have a cry about it because you just <laughs> failed. <laughs> sometimes right. that's what I'm doing sometimes, you know. But um yeah, being gentle with yourself as you cultivate new skill sets. I think it might be um might be misattributing it. Young Pueblo or someone, you know, had yeah. said like, you know, part of part of when you are adopting healthy behaviors and when you're healing, the first thing you'll do is react from the wounded place and go, oops, I should have done this. Then you'll be like, oh, I reacted, you know, from the healed place and now I feel guilty about it, right? Like there's like a whole, <laughs> there's a so whole true. process of that yeah. until it becomes acting. And again, I may be misattributing this or, and I'm probably paraphrasing, but this is how I remember reading yeah. about it. You know, it's it takes a while for healed behavior to become second nature. And um, just being gentle with yourself on that path as as you're doing, just being like, I'm not going to be perfect. I just did it the other day. Like, I was like, why did you do that? Like, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, you know better, but you'll, but you recognize that you know better and, you know, it will become more common with, with practice. Oh yeah. I remember this is about a decade ago, but I had just started kind of my healing journey, if you want to call it that. Um, and I had to set a boundary for the first time and I it was fine. The person even took it fine. I got off the phone and sobbed for like an hour. Mm -hmm. It was, it was so hard for me and it did not feel good. Like it wasn't this like big reward that I thought that I would get maybe once I started to kind of heal. It's, it's a tricky journey that way, but the corkscrew analogy is the one that keeps me going because even when we like, quote unquote, mess up or whatever, nothing is lost in recovery. You know, it's just another lesson. So even when you go down, you're going to come back up. And it's just, that's this constant walk we do. It's such a great way of looking at it. And you do. And women are conditioned if you set a boundary or you're not giving all the time that you're, you know, you're selfish, you're a bitch, you're not nice. Um, That internal dialogue is really hard to shut down. You know, you do. And uh, one of my therapists had a great way of positioning it, which is, is it justified guilt or unjustified guilt? Is it justified shame or unjustified? Like, Mm. did you really do something mean to another person or wrong to another person that you need to feel guilty about? Like, do you need to feel shame for this? It was like, oh, so I try to run that filter through when I I have those moments where I'm like, you just set a boundary. You just said, no, I'm actually not in the mood for pizza tonight. And they said, like, okay, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. You didn't do anything wrong. You're not Fine. a bitch. You're yeah. not disagreeable. You're just like, that's not what I'm in the mood for at the moment. And that's right. perfect. But it is. It's hard. Breaking decades of, and also generational trauma, cultural yeah. trauma, the patriarchy. We won't go there right now, but yeah. I mean, 
all of that is um, is breaking those cycles, and it yeah. and it's painful. And and I've done the same where you're just like, I don't really know. I have to go have a cry about this. Yeah, it's okay. Which is That's okay. how you're going to process it. It's yeah. an emotional shower. That's what I always yeah. say. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind, so you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At bostonproper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Well, let's talk a little bit about where you are now. Can you tell us a little bit about the businesses? I mean, this is like you're not at Microsoft anymore, but now you're in your own world. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I left Microsoft in October of 21. And so I mentioned I was declared cancer free in June 21. And I said, I just need to stick my head in the sand. And I wasn't ready to deal with anything with the relationship and I still thought there was hope and we could, you know, kind of make things work. But I what did feel very life affirming to me in June of 2021 was to spend the summer summer thinking about because I felt like it was time to leave Microsoft again. Yeah. Um, and it's it's such a wonderful company. They've lived everywhere that I've been in my life uh, professionally, it, you know, it's something that I've learned there or a skill set I've picked up. So, but I knew it was time to to go out on my own again. And I knew that I wanted to do storytelling. And now I had the skill set to not just do written storytelling, written communications, brand marketing, but now I could do video, audio. I fell in love with podcasting and I wanted to help others create podcast organizations and individuals. How do you create this and tell stories in this like beautiful forum as you do? I mean, and, and have done for so long in this really intimate and personal way that resonates with people. Mm-hmm. Um, so September, uh, October of 2021, I left Microsoft um, and I took three months off. I mean, talk about stopping. I was like, I just need to process what has happened to me, process what was happening in my relationship, what had happened to my body. We had moved uh, the pandemic was kind of starting to lift a little bit at that point, process what had happened with this colleague I had worked with and just take a f- few months, which doesn't even seem like that long. Um, but in January 2022 on 111, because I'm very into angel numbers, 111.22, um, I started my official journey um, and I still work with Microsoft. They're still my client. So I guess that's, you know, affirming. But um, yeah, podcasting, audio storytelling is a big piece of it, uh, and and video um, scripting, production, 
you know, helping um, executives, leaders telling their stories in these ways. And then in uh, April of 22, as I mentioned, I started producing here for me, which is my own storytelling forum um, to talk about my, I started out talking about my journey. You know, this is why I'm telling these stories and then having other people on who have been through something life-changing, life-altering. What lessons have they learned about choosing themselves? And that uh, premiered in October when we're just about to wrap season two tomorrow. And um, it has been and continues to be um, one of the most incredible journeys I've had to have this opportunity to have, uh, as you do on your show, raw, candid conversations. Yeah. I feel like people are craving it after the pandemic. Like, Me no too. more bullshit. No. Um, let's put all of our shit out there, please. Because when you do that, I think everyone sees we're all more alike than we are different. We can find threads of continuity and we can't heal without being honest about what we're going through. And you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, narcissism. I love that we're having this conversation about this because this is way more prevalent than anyone understands. Oh my and gosh, I think yes. it's way more prevalent, as you said, in strong, smart, successful women who aren't supposed to be in quotes, going through this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and uh, that's where I'm at today. I'm I'm still in San Diego. I love it here. Um, I am now divorced from my ex-husband and, uh, and enjoying my life and enjoying myself and meeting people and having conversations and enjoying the sun and the beach and, and very optimistic about what is ahead. It's the first time in my life, you know, I'm sure you have as well. I've had a few moments where I had opportunities to sort of realign. Um, this is the first time that I'm like, uh, you actually found your path. It's very early, yeah. but we'll see, we'll see what's going to unfold. And so there's an optimism and a hope. As much as there has been sadness and grief um, along the way as well, there's definitely hope for what's ahead. Oh, I love that. I just had this question that popped up in my head, but what's something like, what's one thing every day you do to get back in touch with yourself? Um, I am, uh, music is my lifeblood, okay. uh, I'm from Seattle. So, uh, you know, <laughs> Seattle bands, I, I'm, I'm a rock and roll girl at heart. It is yeah. very important to me. And I blew my eardrums out basically as a teenager because music was therapy for me. I didn't even care. It was headphones before headphones. Um, so every day at some point, and, and I talked about on uh, the first episode of season two of the podcast, how music was so key to healing. And I created a playlist for people if they want to listen. I was listening to it probably way too much, um, probably 20 hours a day. I had my AirPods in while I was grieving wow. when I went through my divorce. Um, but it was part of the process. So now, though, that is still, I have got to get music on. You live in Nashville. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you work in this industry. Yes. You understand this. Yes. Um, that is That is how I get back in touch with myself. Um, you know, I have bands and songs um, that just sort of help me get centered. And then that's where answers flow from. So AirPods go in or I'm driving in the car or, you know, I, I live in a in a high rise building in downtown San Diego. So I can't, I can't blast music as loud as I would <laughs> like to. People like, were, yeah, I can't do that. I would probably get thrown out. So um, yeah, that that's every day. There's got to be some music. And I know when it happens and I will literally say out loud, I need tunes. I need tunes. I need tunes. Yeah. And I just need, or I'll go for a walk yes. with my AirPods in and walk through downtown San Diego, walk to the Bay, get to Coronado. I walk on Coronado beach a lot with, uh, with headphones in, so or your, your AirPods in. So that's, that's really key. Yeah. I love that every person I ask that question to has a completely different answer. And so I'm yeah. like, it's giving me ideas. I'm a walker too. So that's like one of the ways I really kind of recenter, even like I say this all the time on the podcast, 20 minutes, 
yep. is like game changing for my day or putting on good music. And sometimes I have to dance. That's like a really good reason. Yes. <laughs> you know, someone told me once that, you know, Americans, we're like the only culture that doesn't really have dance. If you think about like Ireland, oh, yeah. Africa, Mexico, Spain, you know, they all, yeah. like Argentina, tango, most cultures have some form of dance that is a way to connect and release and for some reason, Americans kind of don't, um, yeah. but I'm with you. I mean, I have private dance parties all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you do as well. And it's yes. very, uh, it was very, you know, grounding. Yes. Centering and, and you're walking outside, you know, you're, you're connecting with the earth. It's so important to do that. So yeah. yeah. And re and bringing you back to your body. I think that's especially because it's not like you go through a situation where you went through narcissistic abuse and you're not prone to it anymore. Like it's always there. And so it's, it's always there. It's something that you have to constantly work on within yourself. And mm -hmm. for me, it's been developing a relationship with myself that I've never yeah. had before. So it sounds like and that for you too. That is beautiful. And I love yeah. that. Yeah. Keep, keep grounding and keep centering. Yeah. Nicole, thank you so much for being here. I'm going to put all the links to her podcast, where else you guys can find Nicole in the description of this podcast. But I just loved having this conversation and thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. It has been an absolute honor and a delight and uh, your kindred spirit. So yes. thank you for all the light <laughs> that you put out into the world on oh, your podcast you. and the work that you do. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks for listening to the Velvet's Edge podcast with Kelly Henderson, where we believe everyone has a little velvet and a little edge. Subscribe for more conversations on life, style, beauty, and relationships. Search Velvet's Edge wherever you get your podcasts. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.